seated. Let's pray. Thank you for being with us, oh God. Through Jesus we pray, amen. We would like to welcome you here. Our desire is to become gospel-shaped people who in response to the grace that we have received from Christ, that we set about to follow his example of love and service to others. So if you're uh, joining us and you're a guest, uh, we're glad that you're here. If you have a chance, we'd invite you to fill out one of our our guest cards um, so that we can uh, pray for you or reach out to you in any way that you would feel comfortable with. But we're definitely glad that you've chosen to be with us, and we hope that all of us together, that we are encouraged and drawn closer uh, to the heart of God this morning. Now, uh, today is the uh bowl Uh, otherwise known as the Super Bowl when your favorite team is in it, unless your favorite team is in it, and then we all apologize. But next Sunday is really, it's really the bowl day. But it's a bowl day of of a different kind. Uh, We're going to go bowling. And uh, we invite everyone to uh, join us next Sunday between 1 and 3 Uh, We have reserved the entire bowling alley at Enterprise Park Lanes. Uh, There's free bowling, free shoes. you got to buy your own uh, food and snacks, and there's some info about that in the bulletin. Uh, But now here's a public service announcement with a personal invitation to our bowling day. What up, church? It's your man Seth here. And that's right. Next week on February 20th, is bowling for the whole church. And guess what? It's free. And it's going to be so awesome. If you don't believe me, watch this video.
Yeah, that's what happens when you uh, task the intern with the promo videos. <laughs> they get really good. Well, um, I think the donut giving giveaway may be going a little too far. Um, besides, you know, me running out of money every week, um, I, I was sent this picture this week. Yeah, that's Larry White filling out his puzzle. He sends it to me, and then he texts me a message that says, I like Bavarian cream. <laughs> so we're going to conduct a quick little poll here. There's three choices. The first choice is, should Larry get a donut? The second choice is, should Larry not get a donut? And the third choice is, should Janet get the donut instead? All right, so here we go. Uh, raise hands. Do you think Larry should get a donut? Okay, uh, raise your hand if he should not get a donut. And raise your hand if you think Janet should get the donut. All right, let's go ahead and, uh, this is very scientific. Let's go ahead and look at the results. Oh, man, it was close. It was close. Uh, but the tribe has spoken, and uh, Janet gets the donut. Alex, would you do me a favor here? It's the unmarked bag. right? Th oh, actually, it says Janet on it. Man, this might be a spirit moment because the bag is already marked with her name. So, uh, Janet, there's your donut. So, uh, kids, if you filled out your... Uh, puzzles last week. Your puzzle is on the table uh, with your name in the bag with a donut, and uh, we have a school teacher over here checking ID to make sure that the right person comes up afterwards and claims their donut. So uh, I'm afraid this might be getting out of hand, but, uh, you know, that's the way it is. Well, last week we started looking at the book of Acts, and one of the most um, amazing things that we see early on in the book of Acts is that for the first time, the followers of Jesus find themselves in a place, in a situation where they have to follow him without being with him. And this is a very dramatic change for them. I mean, you have to understand that they have gone through a three-something year intensive daily with him, and now he's gone. And he's given them work to do. And so Acts opens up with Jesus ascending back into heaven and the disciples in this situation of trying to figure out, how are we going to do this? What are we going to do? What is it going to look like? And because they've already answered the who questions of who they are in Christ, who they are because of Christ, they set out to start answering the how questions. How are we going to do this? And now we really pay attention to this because this is our reality as well. Because we go through life without the physical presence of Jesus, and yet we still are called. We still are commissioned. There still is a mission for us to accomplish. So, so we pay attention to this first chapter of the book of Acts because it sets up everything that the disciples are going to do. We're going to lean in close, closer than we did last week to see how they respond. So let's listen first to Gretchen as she reads to us from Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. 
Acts 1.14 All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So what we notice in this first chapter of Acts is we notice three things. We notice that the disciples, along with other followers of Jesus, they gathered together. This seems like a pretty easy one. They gathered together, but in their gathering together, they begin to prepare for mission. They appoint someone to take the place of Judas. And, at, and while they're gathering together, while they're preparing for mission, we now stop and we focus on this one phrase, that the disciples of Jesus devoted themselves to prayer. I already mentioned this to you last week, that we should pay attention any time in the Bible that we see that the early church was devoted to something, that they are devoted to something. This is important for us, those of us who are trying to follow Jesus in our own way, in our own world, in our own setting. So today I want to lean in closer and I want us to explore together this phrase, they devoted themselves to prayer. And I want to do it in two ways. The first way I want to do this is I want to talk just a little bit about prayer. I want to talk about prayer as a source of, well, a source of struggle. And then I want to talk about prayer as a source of strength. And after this moment of talking about prayer, both as a source of struggle and then as a source of strength, I want us to experience prayer together. And focus together as a body, those who are gathered, those who are prepared and preparing for mission that I want us to pray together. Now, it's, uh, I just need to give you some warning right now that I've, I've reached out to some experts. They really love the 80s, as do I. Their names are Johnny and Chachi, and uh, here to talk a little bit about prayer and to give us some killer prayer tips, Johnny and Jachi. Hi, I'm Johnny. And I'm Chachi. We're getting here ministries. You know, a lot of people come up to us and ask us hard questions about God and the Bible and spiritual living. And you know why a lot of those questions are softball questions for us? There are actually some pretty good ones. One of them being, how do I have a better prayer life? Well, good news, we got some killer tips to a better prayer life. Before we do that, though, let's start off with a title and some dance moves. No, we're not doing a title and a dance. Let's just kind of get into this. When you're saying a prayer in public, you want to use the phrase Father God as much as humanly possible. Just last week, I said a 30-second prayer and got 17 Father Gods in it. Now look, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying with a little bit of effort, it can be done. If you have a prayer request, but don't actually want to request it, simply say, unspoken. I currently have six unspokens that I'm praying for this guy about. Johnny, sorry to bother you, but I actually have another prayer request. Okay, what? It's unspoken. <laughs> okay, well that's seven. And while I have no clue what I'm praying about, Someone does. Just no one human. The Bible says pray without ceasing. And well, we believe in the Bible. Chachi has been praying without ceasing for over 32 hours now. Chachi, how do you feel? 
What, who said what? Where, where am I? Well, Chachi, you have been praying for over 32 hours straight. You feel pretty good? Can I get a restroom break? <laughs> Not if you want to fully obey scripture. Let's say you become privy to some juicy information about someone, but don't want to be seen as a gossip. We've got good news. You're good to go if you put it in the form of a prayer request. I still cannot believe what Jill said to Keith. I can't believe it either, but did you know that John got canned? What? Are you, are you... Let's talk about it in a prayer group. Some think your prayer position is irrelevant, but we have found that your prayer position can not only boost your prayer life, but can stretch you physically. Chachi, why don't you go ahead and show us some examples? Well, I wasn't really planning on praying, but I guess I could give it a shot. Okay. Oh, very nice. Good, that is classic. Wow. Seriously, wow. The last thing you do when you pray is fairly obvious. You say, amen. And if you happen to be in a group of people holding hands, it's imperative that you accompany that amen with a physical action known as the hand squeeze. The squeeze lets the people on either side of you know, hey, the prayer's over. I care about you, but I'm letting go now. And when you are holding hands, never interlock, because that can make your prayer partners a little uncomfed. We want to thank you for watching, or shall I say growing, in your prayer life. Yeah, now can we do the, the title and the dance moves? No, just kind of say thanks for watching. And That's seriously unreal. This is actually my miracle position. Well, maybe not the best source of advice. Uh, those indeed are some killer prayer tips. And I, I put them here for a reason. I'm, let me just speak personally for a second. There are moments in my life where prayer is, has been a real struggle for me. There are specific uh, attitudes about prayer or attributes of prayer that have just, they've been a struggle for me in my life. The first one is silence and solitude. That is a hard one for me. I think it has a lot to do with my personality. Uh, it may have something to do with fear of silence. The, the awkwardness that surrounds that time. Do you remember if you were here at the talent show a few weeks ago and, and uh, Ernie and Donnie? Uh, it was unfortunate that Bert and Marie couldn't be here, but Ernie and Donnie, they, they came up on stage and they asked everyone to be quiet and they set a timer and they stood here for a minute in full silence and at the end said, okay, that was the length of the song, The Sound of Silence. Do you remember that? I mean, if you were here, it was a little awkward when they first did that. Like, we were like, oh, no, what's going to happen? See, I have this kind of personality. <laughs> this does not come as a shock if you know me. I have this compulsion to move the conversation forward. I have this compulsion to, I mean, if there's, if there's, if there's dead air in a conversation, it must mean that we're not getting along. And, 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 you know, heaven forbid that we have dead air on live stream. So this whole idea of silence and solitude, it's, it's been a real struggle for me when, when I've been brought up to see that prayer is me talking to God. 
and not really understanding the other element that, that part of prayer that is just as important is, is letting God speak to me. And as we see so often in Scripture, boy, we can hear Him best in the silence and solitude. Now, a second thing for me is when, you know, when prayer is viewed as some compulsory floor exercise, right? That, that prayer is pushed on you. That, now, this is something you have to do. It doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter when you do it. It doesn't even matter why you do it. If you're a Christian, you need to pray. It's like a Bible reading approach that says the only thing that matters is that you read your, your Bible. That's the only thing that matters. You know, so log the hours, clock the time, just read, 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 read. And, and, and the struggle for me is that it's a focus on mechanics at the expense of the beauty of the dance. When it becomes a compulsion that it's something that I, that I have to do if I'm going to be a Christian instead of something that my heart is just aching for because I long for this because of the beauty and the goodness of God. Then the other one is the, the whole prayer performance thing. You know, that, that somehow we're judged or evaluated by the, the words that we can come up with. And so this has been a struggle for me in my life because I like words and I like wordsmithing and I like putting things together and it can become a block because you're so focused on what you want to say that it sounds good and somehow insidiously inside your heart is this small voice that says if you pray really well, people will compliment you on how well you pray. I mean, it's almost like we've We've entered into some kind of reality series, right? You know, can you, can you see the promo? You know, today on Prayer Masters, 12 contestants go prayer to prayer to see who emerges as the prayer master. You know, and so it, it turns prayer into, into what you say and how you say it. And then one more. This is probably the one that, that really gets me. And I, I seem to be seeing it more and more on uh, social media feeds, and I call them weaponized recipe prayers. It's the whole idea that, that if you, you know, pray against this person and pray against this cause and, and forward this prayer to a billion of your closest friends, you know, or, or pray for this person and, and pray for this cause and, and forward this to a billion of your closest friends. And then there's always that little thing at the end. And if you don't forward this, not only will I unfriend you, but I will leverage my tens and tens of followers to pray against you. I mean, it's a really crazy world when you, when you see these kind of things, when you see prayer weaponized in this way. What really gets me is the, oh, you want something? Okay, well, then pray this way. You, you want this? Well, then pray it like this. You want that? Well, okay, then say this prayer. I, I, I react so strongly to this idea that I see so much today that says, be bold. Kick down the throne room of God and demand of Him what He should give you. I mean, you see that today, and you see it promoted even often as some sort of doctrine. 
man, I react (laughs) and I recoil, and it just repulses me, this kind of attitude about prayer. As if somehow we could manipulate God into action. I mean, is God really good or is He not? Is God really for me or is He not? Can I really trust Him or do I have to do it exactly right? Do I have to say the right things in the right way and and do the right thing for it to happen? Do you see what's happening when we buy into that theology? We're right back in the garden And we're being offered a piece of forbidden fruit. And the fruit says to us, you can't really trust Him. So, uh, boy, I struggle with that. And I'm so grateful that C.S. Lewis comes to the rescue. I'm so grateful for his, his perspective and the way that he makes me understand things in such a clear way. He says, prayer is request. The essence of request, as distinct from compulsion, is this. If an infinitely wise being listens to the request of finite and foolish creatures, of course, sometimes he will grant and sometimes he will refuse. See, prayer will always be a source of struggle And it will always be a source of frustration if we come to it with a consumer mentality. It will always be something that is just out of our grasp, that is just out of our reach. It will always be viewed as, in case of emergency, break glass. If we view prayer only as something to forward my consumer mindset. But what if if we viewed it as something else? What if we viewed it not from a a consumer mindset, but from a communion mindset? C.S. Lewis says, prayer in the sense of petition, asking for things, is a small part of it. Small part. Listen to what he believes are the larger parts. Confession and penitence are its threshold. Adoration is is its sanctuary, the presence and vision and enjoyment of God, the bread and the wine. This is looking at prayer in a much different way. This is looking in prayer as a way to see and behold the beauty of God. Boy, there is some deep maturity and some space for maturity and spiritual formation in growth to understand prayer as communion and not consumerism. But now let's talk about prayer as a source of strength. Let's talk about these things in our life that can encourage us in this attitude of prayer. I mean, throughout my journey as a follower of Christ, I have been encouraged in so many ways in different uh, ways or attitudes or attributes of prayer. I've been nourished by certain prayer practices. Uh, I've seen a, a, a peace and a calm in my heart by practicing prayer in, in specific and different ways. But it all has to do with how my attitude has changed about prayer. 
And so the thing that has been the most helpful for me is when I began to see or began to see prayer as a relational expression. As a relational expression. Let me tell you what I mean. Imagine if we could see prayer as a love language. That prayer was a love language. So um, when you fell head over heels in love for that sweet someone, your beloved, did someone have to tell you that it was probably a good idea to talk to them every day? Right? No, nobody had to, right? Like, like when, when Cupid's arrow shot you right through the heart, you know, and, and you saw that person before you as the love of your life, you did not have to read anywhere to engage in relational communion with them. I mean, did you ever read, you know, you should be talking to your beloved, and you go, oh, wow, that's a good idea. I never thought of that. So what if we saw our relationship with God in the same way? That just as we are His beloved, He is our beloved. And we would not imagine a day, we would not imagine an hour No, we're not sharing in this conversation with Him. So imagine if we could could see prayer as a way to stay close to, as a way to attach ourselves to God, which, by the way, is the definition of devoted. What if we saw prayer as a way of, of moving our heart closer to His heart and not just a a focus on the mechanics, but attention to how God is attaching His heart to our heart. How we are attaching ourselves through prayer to Him and He is attaching Himself to us. And so when we come to passages like Romans 12, 12, let's listen as Hunter reads it for us. Be constant in prayer, always well, swells. When we read passages like that, be constant in prayer, and our heart is moving from duty to beauty, we understand that we're in a, we're in a love relationship with God. And our communion with Him, our expression to Him, our devotion with Him is about being joyful and and purposeful. We're lovingly attaching ourselves to the One who has lovingly attached Himself to us. And what happens is we start seeing an element of, of joy in our prayer. We start seeing an element of thanksgiving in our prayer. We start seeing this element of, of refreshing in our heart. We start to make sense why so many people who we look up to and have such a strong walk with the Lord, why they talk about prayer in ways that, that we long to talk about. Listen as Piper reads from Colossians 4 and verse 2. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. I like this idea in Colossians 4.2 of attaching thanksgiving or thankfulness to our prayers. I like this idea because it brings the element of joy into our lives. Hey, you know what? Um, there is time and there is a need to pray for the brokenness in this world. 
But there's also a time and the need to pray for the beauty in this world. And what we see God doing even through brokenness. And so what's, what's really helped me in my journey as a follower is to, be, is to be more intentional about being thankful in prayer. About just saying, I mean, today as I go throughout my day, I'm going to give thanks. I'm going to give thanks to God in every moment that I see something good. I'm going to give Him honor and I'm going to give Him glory. And I want, Lord, I want You to give me eyes to see You, to see Your beauty and what You're doing in this world. Oh, Lord, give me an opportunity to give You glory today. To see the beauty of God and to see the beauty of what He is doing in this world, let me tell you, it is a joyful way to pray. It really is. And then secondly, maybe we can see prayer as relational identification. Relational identification. Prayer helps form and reform. It helps convince and confirm in our hearts that we belong to God. We are His. We are His children. The followers of Jesus, they understood prayer as a priority of their identity and mission as followers. They didn't separate the two. They saw their identity related to their mission, and they saw their mission related to their identity, and they knew that prayer was this way forward for them. I mean, there's even this one moment in the book of Acts where there's a decision to be made, and, 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 and they didn't want to neglect a serving the widows who needed food, but the apostles saw that this was a crucial moment in the life of the leadership, in the life of the early church, and they said, yes, the widows need to be fed, yes, the tables need to be served, but they pause and they say, there's something that we need to focus on. Listen as Fiona reads from Acts 6, 4. We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the world. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. And there's that word again, that we will devote ourselves to prayer. Now, one thing you should notice about the book of Luke and about the book of Acts is that there is some intentional parallel structure. In the book of Luke and the book of Acts, what's happening is you see that Jesus is doing something, so the early church sets out to do that as well. And in the book of Acts, they take upon this theme of the prayer life of Jesus. And so you follow along in the book of Luke and you see the attention that Jesus gives to prayer, and in the book of Acts, you see the early church saying, He did that, let's focus on that. And so prayer is a relational identification. When we talk about trying to to be with Jesus and become like Jesus and to do what Jesus did, the early followers in the book of Acts saw that the first way to accomplish this, and perhaps the most important way, is to follow and imitate the example of Jesus in prayer as part of their calling and mission. (laughs) I'm intimidated when I read these these biographies of people, you know, and -and so-and-so prayed four hours a day, right? I'm thinking, how did they get any work done? You know, it just just really challenges me when I see so-and-so prays four hours a day, every single day. And then I start to read more, and I start to learn more, and I start to figure out, boy, in some days, have you had these days? Some days, 
that might be the only way to get through it. To have that kind of depth of relationship. Do you ever have those moments in your life where you, you just want to reach out and you want to talk to your dad, you want to talk to your mom, you want to talk to your brother, you want to talk to your sister, you want to talk to somebody who's a close friend of yours. You're just having that kind of day and you, that's what you're thinking in your mind. I just need to talk to somebody about this. I don't know, we were in a store yesterday and I saw a sign that said, I really wish I could text my dog right now. I don't get it. Some of you do. Nobody ever says, I wish I could text my cat right now. You ever notice that? Nobody ever says that. You know, if you haven't figured this out by now, I like to laugh. I like humor. I like having fun. I, I really like it when something catches me and I just start laughing. It's just, it's an automatic, instinctual, see, even right there, reaction for me. And I want my prayer to be so spontaneous and such a reaction as well. I want, I want the outpouring of my heart where I'm just, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. I mean, I want to be in a place in my life that I want to pray about thinking about praying. I want it to be an instinctual reaction for me in the same way that I would even not even think about breathing. I want prayer to be that way for me in my life. Not just, a, not just something that I have to do, but something that I need to do. So, in your pew, there's, um, there should be some handouts. There's, they're, they're on either side. Let's experience prayer for a second here. I've come to learn that there are essentially two ways to pray. And, and forget the fancy words. Those are just Greek words used to express these kind of prayers. The first kind of way to prayer is the, uh, is the one that we're most familiar with. And this is what we would call content-based prayers. And, and content-based prayers are when we actually, we either vocalize on our own or we read prayers from, from someone else. It's been a big encouragement in my life, the, the Psalms, the daily devotional in the Psalms, the Proverbs, the daily devotional in the Proverbs, not just the, the wisdom that's there, but the prayers at the end of each day. And here's a sample of a couple of them that have just been so so good for my heart just to pause and take some space and to just pray one of those. So, so on that side of the sheet, just choose one of those and let's, and it doesn't matter, we're not all choosing the same one. And I want you to, I want you to focus on just praying out loud this prayer. Don't worry about Anybody else around you and starting and stopping and don't worry about any of that kind of stuff. Just, just choose one of those and just pray one of those out loud.
So these kind of prayers, um, what's happening is that they're engaging the logic side of our brain. You know, and, and I don't know about you, but this is what we're, I'm most used to this kind of prayer. And so, um, sorry, Eric, I've jumped around a little bit. Let's go ahead and listen as Sophia reads Acts 2.42. Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So if you notice about Acts 2.42, it says they were devoted to three things. It doesn't say they were devoted to praying or devoted to prayer. It says they were devoted to the prayers, the prayers which means that the early disciples had taken on themselves prayers that they had collected, whether in in the scrolls and the Scriptures or other people, they had collected these prayers and they had said, let's make this a part of our prayer life. This is what's happening here in this kind of prayer. Uh, But then there's a second kind of prayer, and we're going to practice that right now. It's on the other side of the page. Now, this comes from uh, the Highfields Church of Christ, uh, one of our sister churches in New Zealand. Yeah, I wish they were a sister church. <laughs> like, we need a little preacher exchange. Don't amen on that one too loudly. Uh, this kind of prayer, also known as a self-emptying prayer, uh, this kind of prayer is a content-free prayer. This is the kind of prayer where you're just Silent. And, and their church is going through this in a, in a year. And they're inviting anybody who wants to, which is why I think we can be a sister church. They're inviting anybody who wants you to join them in this. And I love the, just look at the four things of the self-emptying prayer. You know, set a timer. Close your eyes and know that God is present with you. And, and you just let any thought, anything bubble up, but you don't criticize yourself. You don't try to judge. You don't try to process it. You don't try to, you know, think about it anyway. And if you, if you mess up, you just, you know, you don't be harsh on yourself. You just simply give it to God and you try again. And you give yourself grace. And what this discipline is trying to do is just trying to just get you to be in quiet, in silence. We've practiced that today. It was a little weird, wasn't it? When I just stood up here and I didn't say anything. When I said, let's pray, and I was just silent. It's because we're not used to, many of us are not used to this kind of prayer. So let's, let's just try it again. And, and don't worry about, you know, anything else. Let's just be quiet for just a second. God, we thank you that you are here and that you are present. We love you. Amen.
Today we've talked about prayer, probably a little too much than I intended to, but we've also tried to experience prayer. And and I hope that what we've talked about today can be something that you can try and you can incorporate in your own relationship with God. Listen, this is something you get better at the more you try and the more you risk and the more you put yourself out there. Um, This is something that can be very meaningful for you, and I hope it has been an encouragement to you in some way. More importantly, I hope that you can begin to value prayer and see prayer as a way to not only express your devotion, but a way for you to discover the heart of God. This is our encouragement from the Scriptures, from the book of Acts, all throughout the apostolic teaching. Let's stand together even as we hear Joanne read to us from Acts 6.18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. In need of strength, in need of peace, in need of things that only you can give to me. In need of Christ, the perfect Lamb, my refuge strong, the great I am. This is my song, my humble plea. I am your child, I am in need, in need of grace, in need of love, in need of mercy raining down from high above, in need of strength, in need of peace, in need of things that only you can give to me, in need of Christ, the perfect Lamb, my refuge strong, The great I am, this is my song, my humble plea. I am your child, I am in need, in need of Christ, the perfect Lamb, my refuge strong. The great I am, this is my song, my humble plea. I am your child, I am in need, I am your child, I am in 
ಸಿಕ್ಕಿದರು